Welcome to the podcast by Mikhail Alphon. What's up, guys, and welcome to another episode of A Day in the Life. As always, I am super pumped for this episode, but this one in particular, because today we're going to be answering questions that came in through Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, wherever else I put it out. Um, And really, this is going to be covering everything from marketing to uh, Eggs Benedict, Family Guy, and uh, and some other topics as well. As well, so I'm really excited to everybody who submitted a question. I really appreciate it. Um, it definitely helped out uh, quite a bit, and I was I was uh, floored by how many people actually responded to it. So thank you, thank you very much. Um, a little background on me to any of the listeners that uh, don't know me very well. Right, um, my name is Mikhail. I've uh, owned and operated uh, digital marketing agencies for the last four and a half years. Um, Started my entrepreneurial journey journey around then too uh, when I (laughs) got fired from my internet marketing uh, job uh, back in 2014. And really the reason that I started the whole company in the first place was because I wanted to provide something tangible to to clients, to anybody looking to market, uh, so that they could actually see the um, like the results of what we were doing or what their marketing agency was doing. In addition to that, we focused so much on content development uh, where it was easy to see. Like they put in an order, they get a video back. They put in an order, they get photos back or something like that. Um, but before that, um, I was actually a nurse in my early 20s. I, uh, I ended up not being a nurse and played poker professionally for three years before I started that internet marketing job. Um, There were some really gnarly times throughout that whole journey where, you know, I couldn't even get a job at uh, at Burger King for a while, things like that. So it's not that I know everything. I I don't think I'm crazy enough to where I know so much that like my knowledge is is of that much value to you guys. However, what I do know is how to start the damn thing um, and at least get through your first four years and maybe your your 20s. You know, anybody listening uh, from the ages of like 18 to 30, like those are tough years or they were tough years for me anyways. For me anyways, trying to figure out like, you know, what am I going to do with my life? Like, where is my life going? What's important to me? Like, there's so many different things that have changed from relationships to, uh, to careers, obviously, to the friends I was hanging out with, things like that. And there was a lot of ups and downs. And, um, you know, if I could share a little bit about that story and, uh, it, you know, it resonates with you, then job done, I think. And it's kind of fun to document everything along the way. So that's kind of where I'm coming from with that. Um, I don't really like talking about myself very much, believe it or not, with all the Instagram, uh, Facebook, LinkedIn content that I put out. I actually really don't like talking about myself very much. So anyways, let's get on to the questions. There are no particular order. Again, we're going to be covering marketing business. Uh, it looks like Eggs Benedict and Family Guy uh, <laughs> on this episode. So I'm really excited. Thank you again to everybody who answered the question or uh, who submitted a question. So The first question is from Ian. Uh, What are the benefits of building a team and what are some of the downsides of building a team? Now, for a little context on this, I'm assuming that you mean a team in marketing or, you know, in your case, Ian, I have some context on you, so it'd be graphic design, but probably marketing, things like that. Well, there's a ton of benefits to having your own team. Um, You know, uh, for one, you're able to handle much, much more 
work that's coming in. So it depends on like, you really got to assess what your goals are in the long term and see if that's something for you. But you're able to take on a lot more work. In addition to that, having a team is great because you get experts in each field, right? Like, so for me, I'm maybe kind of good at writing and kind of good at graphic design and kind of good at video. I'm not saying that I am or I'm not. But when you do build out a team, you are able to find experts in those specific fields and make your content that much better make your business that much better. Now that can apply to anything, in my opinion, like it doesn't necessarily have to be marketing, but you're able to fill in the gaps with people that um, are experts in their specific field. It could be anything. It's it's just like, you know, even in and out for example, and to my East Coast friends, in and out is way better than Shake Shack. I don't care what you say. Uh, but anyways, um, like they have somebody dedicated to fries. They have somebody dedicated to, to the hamburgers. They have somebody dedicated to just slicing potatoes in the back, right? Um, and by focusing each one of those jobs instead of one person doing all of them, the quality of everything as a whole ends up being better. So that's definitely one of the benefits. The downsides to having a team, um, you know, it, managing multiple personalities, if you are the head of the team, is is not always easy. Um, everybody's different. Everybody reacts to uh, things differently. Everybody operates differently. And especially when you're kind of at the helm, so to speak, like, uh, you know, you kind of, you always want people to kind of match your vision and you, and you subconsciously expect everybody to work as hard as you, uh, as hard as you work and care about things the same ways that you do. But that's not always the case, right? So, I guess that would be like the downside, quote unquote, but that comes, you know, managing that comes with, um, you know, learning to deal with people, which is uh, amazing and is always a benefit. And then in addition to that, too, um, I guess, you know, it really it really teaches you how to it teaches you how to be a better leader. So, I mean, the downside can be an upside if you want it to if you want it to be that way. But again, I guess the hardest part of that is just ma- okay is managing the different personalities. But in addition to that, managing the quality of the work that's coming out as well, um, because of course, you know, you have your specific standards on what's on what you want to pump out. But that's not always you know what you're going to get. And you whole, you have to be humble enough and open minded enough enough to understand that hey, look, like. It might not be up to your standards, but it could be like it could be better from a different perspective. Um, In our case, client services, you know, the number one opinion that matters is a how we feel about the content coming out. But also just as important is how the uh, client feels the content is coming out. So, Ian, thank you so much for that question. I really appreciate it. Um, We have another question from Robbie H on Twitter. What are some of your favorite resources for business, marketing, et cetera, that you learn from each week? Um, Robbie, thank you so much for the question. Uh, definitely in, especially in the digital marketing space, you always want to be on the learn and making sure that you uh, are up to date with all the new trends and things that are changing. So uh, one of the biggest things that I do is I cons- constantly consult with uh, other experts in the field. It kind of goes back to this team thing, right? So what's going on in SEO? What are the new trends in video production? What are the new trends in social media marketing? Uh, How do we optimize different posts on different platforms, that type of thing? Um, And really what's going on? So uh, really what's going on in the industry. So again, I'm, I'm constantly learning from people that are experts, uh, that are experts in 
their specific industry and their specific field. Like it could be marketing, but one could be paid media and another one could be, uh, uh, you know, another one could be other types of like graphic design or content development, that sort of thing. So that's one way that um, I consistently or I continue learning. Um, another resource is Moz.com. They have great articles on SEO and marketing. So I'd check out Moz.com. That's M-O-Z.com. Uh, Social Media Today is a great one that I check out often. And another one that I check out a lot is uh, is Adweek. I love Adweek because it really helps like it really helps you know, spark creativity sometimes, and it gives some case studies on different uh, ad campaigns that went on. So ad week is really good. Um, And then in addition to that, too, like some, uh, some people, you know, I'll I'll actually get back to some of those experts, some people that uh, I I talk to on a regular basis is like, uh, my friend Brittany Crystal, who's great at um, personal branding and, uh, and optimization on different platforms, growth hacking, that sort of thing. Um, Akvil DeFazio, Akvila DeFazio, I'm sorry. She's great at paid media. She puts out a lot of content, that type of thing. Um, Gary Vaynerchuk, obviously, uh, why wouldn't I, except for now, uh, to be frank, I think that I could answer any one of those questions that are coming through and the ones that he consistently says, cause it's the same thing over and over again, no hate there. It's just, I've kind of learned what I needed to learn. Um, you know, and there's, there's a ton of different people there. Those are the top ones that come to mind. Uh, who are some other ones? Jeremy Miller is a great one. Uh, Daniel Wallach is another one. You can find both those guys on Twitter. I think that they do excellent job of putting out new content and really uh, creating like a, a collaborative feel to how people are learning about different marketing techniques, that sort of thing. Um, now, the third and most important way that I stay up to date on uh, different, mar- different marketing techniques and trends is I'm literally in it like every single day on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, um, used to be Snapchat, not really Snapchat, but LinkedIn, and just really learning the nuances of each platform and seeing what works well, uh, really studying uh, the reaction, the reach, the engagement that I'm getting from um, uh, any post or anything like that, or any of the initiatives that, you know, I'm currently running. Um, And, you know, I even, you know, I have an email list, for example, that I'm managing just so that like I can kind of learn how to do that better. So it's constantly doing everything on your own, uh, on a, on a regular basis, right. To learn it for yourself, because you can learn anything from, you know, the influencers, the books, the YouTube channels, whatever it is. But really once you start doing it, you, you'll find your own way and what works. And I think that that is actually number one, the best way to, uh, to, to learn about different marketing campaigns. Right. So Robbie, thank you so much for that question. I really appreciate it. Um, the rabbi Michael Cohen is actually responsible for the, this next question. Uh, the tech rabbi on Twitter and on Instagram, he's absolutely phenomenal. I love what he's doing in the ed tech space. Um, so, uh, rabbi Michael Cohen asks, what are some of your tips for distribution? I kind of, you know, I kind of phrased that in what I think he was asking because it says distribution question mark, I believe was the actual tweet. But Rabbi Michael Cohen asks, what are some of your tips for distribution? Man, it is a pain in the ass to do it uh, day in and day out, right? Um, dis- uh, distributing your content and getting the most reach. Um, there are a couple things that I think are probably unique to, um, to my personal process uh, and how I get content out there. Um, The one thing that you want to do is you want to be able to kind of uh, make your process in creating the content really efficient, right? So 
and make sure that it's going to fit the context of which platform that it's going on. So for example, you can take a video, for example, um, and you can pull the audio from that, put it on a podcast, put the video on YouTube, that type of thing, and then take it one step further further, and take the contents of that video and turn it, turn it into a vlog. Um, for this in particular, you know, I'm, I'm filming it on, uh, on Instagram live right now. So that helps with distributing this content. And it's also going to be going on the podcast. And if I wasn't so lazy all the time, I'd probably turn it into an article. Um, so that's definitely like one way to start like being able to distribute content more effectively is make sure that the content production part of it is actually super efficient. Um, so that way you're not having to think in 10 different ways of like new ways to create content. Now, real tactically, uh, one of the things that I like to do for distributing content is whether it's a video, an article, a photo or whatever it is, is I've actually joined um, a lot of Facebook groups where you can post content to those groups, right? So for me, because I'm trying to, you know, really dig my uh, hands into Orange County, I've joined a lot of Orange County networking uh, Facebook groups. And whenever I create a new video or a new article, I'm always sure to share it within those groups. And now it's using a unique audience or it's utilizing a unique audience. It's not just going everywhere on Twitter or everywhere on Instagram where your, uh, you know, where your audience kind of varies in what their interests are. Are, right. It's like it's really it's a little bit more targeted than that. And the other thing that I've gotten over as well when distributing my content is that like I'm kind of over whether or not something reaches a thousand people or two thousand people or whether something goes viral. What I'm more interested in is writing content or creating content that I can just deliver to like honestly three to five specific people and um, just making sure that it really impacts them. For example, I don't have a, a huge uh, email list, right? But I know that those people are opening it up. I see the open rates and 20% of those people are always on there or always opening those emails up to 37% in those days I get really pumped. But like that kind of fires me up to continue putting in that, um, to continue creating content for those specific three to five to 20 or maybe a hundred people, whatever it might be. And the same thing goes for Instagram or the same thing goes for Facebook video or LinkedIn, right? I'm more concerned about the right people seeing it than how many people are seeing it. And that's really helped, uh, like ease the stress of distribution, um, for, for me personally. So maybe that's something that you can take into consideration there. But, uh, the number one hack, I guess you could, you could take away from, from this question, uh, uh, Rabbi Michael is, um, you know, those Facebook groups are clutch. I think that being able to distribute content within those Facebook groups is something that is very, very effective, highly targeted, that type of thing. And, um, you you can really gain some new fans that way, brick by brick, brick by brick. Um, so that was that about the distribution of uh, new content. Let's see here. Uh, Dr. Nick Deliberato. What's up, my man? Thank you so much for your question. Dr. Nick asks, what do I believe today that I didn't believe before about brand development? So this answer kind of varies um, from uh, business to personal brands, right? For me, I'm a huge advocate of the personal brand. I think that it's very important to uh, develop that, not just for the individual's career, but especially if they are at the forefront of a company or something like that. Um, 
you know, putting a personality behind that, especially for small businesses, I think is very, very important. I think that a lot of audiences and potential customers and clients are looking for a human connection. So building that personal brand is really important. Now, onto your question, what do I find, uh, what do I believe today that I didn't necessarily believe before about um, brand development? Well, it's actually really interesting. I believe today that fuck, the word fuck is not as... Uh, taboo as it used to be when building a personal brand. It used to be completely uh, omitted from all of my uh, content in the past. I, I try to like keep it to a minimum because there is a level of professionalism that I like to keep out. But if fuck flips uh, slips out every so often, I don't think it's the end of the world. I don't think that that's going to make or break a brand. So that's actually or a personal brand rather. So um, that's one thing that I definitely believe, and it allows the person to be a little bit more candid. It's definitely allowed me to be a little bit more candid, just understanding that personally, because like I believe it or not swear in my day to day life. Now, does that work for everybody? Like Nick, I have some context on you, for example, like I wouldn't put that in your content. Your audience is completely different than mine. Right. So, but you know, I, I just, don't think swearing, it doesn't have to be fuck. I guess I could take that back. I don't think swearing is going to, is going to kill or make or break somebody's brand. So there's, so there is that. Um, and then from like a, a, a business standpoint, you know, blue light media, the company that I run, uh, you know, we deal with some relatively large clients. And one thing that I 100% believed about brand building or, and still believe about brand building was that it was about consistent content every single day, five days a week at the very least on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, da, 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 da. I don't necessarily believe that that's a hundred percent necessary anymore. I think that the quality of the content that's coming out is much more important, but I actually do believe that you can scale back a little bit when you're at scale like that primarily because you're using a lot of paid efforts to distribute your content, right? If it is paid, then I think that you don't have to necessarily put out a brand new piece of content every single day. Um, you know, I think that, you know, using an effective paid strategy is probably a lot is, is just as good as pumping out content every single day. Now, if you are still doing it on the organic side and you can't necessarily afford uh, paid, you know, you definitely should be posting every single day, that type of thing um, and reaching out constantly. But the amount of content that needs to get put out for companies that are bigger, that have like a paid media budget, that type of thing is definitely something that I think is, uh, is not necessarily acceptable, but I, I think like it's, it's perfectly fine to do that. And before I would have sat in on a meeting uh, for these companies and been like, no, we got to post new content every single day, five days a week or seven days a week, whatever it might be um, sitting with those companies. Now, I don't necessarily think that I think that the key is with paid media for those bigger companies. So, Dr. D, thank you so much uh, for that question. I really appreciate that. Um, am I going too fast? Should I slow it down? slow it down just a little bit. What do you guys think on Instagram live over here? Am I going too fast? I think it's going too fast. I'm going to say what's up to AJ. How you doing? Cody, how you doing? Um, I saw a couple of you other guys here too. Anthony, how you doing? Uh, glad to see you guys uh, checking into this. Thank you for hanging out with me today. I really appreciate it. On to the listeners. Don't 
don't worry. I, I will not get too distracted here. Um, Mason asks, um, what are three to five ways to get more podcast listeners? Now, this is actually a tough question for me to answer because I'm still trying to figure it out as it is for myself. Now, uh, I'm coming up on a year anniversary of a day in the life podcast. Um, and also real quick listeners, I want to take a pause and say hi to David. I think he's said hi a couple times now. So, uh, David Silvaco on Instagram live. Thank you so much for checking in. I hope you check out the podcast as well. Anyways, Mason, back to your question, three to five ways to get more podcast listeners. I'm trying to figure this out for myself. Um, I'm coming up on a year of, of podcasts. I think there, I'm at like 65 episodes or something like that. I'm not hundred percent sure anymore. Um, but the, the growth in listeners has honestly been super slow, uh, for me. Um, and I think that's because of two things. One is I'm not hundred percent committed to like growing the podcast in that sense. I like it. It's a, it's, it's not necessarily a nice to have. It's actually turned into some great business for me, but, um, it's not something that I'm actively trying to grow and a hundred percent focused on. Now, what has worked and gotten more listeners is definitely the interviews, um, having people on that, you know, are liked in their community and, you know, getting them to share the ep- uh, episode that you're interviewing them on is a great way to start growing your audience. Uh, right. So, and I think, and it's great, like that's actually on the podcast is actually grow has helped grow and create new, um, connections with, uh, not just on the podcast, but also on like Instagram or Twitter or something like that. So the interviews is definitely one way to do it. I've tried, um, ads like Facebook and Instagram ads for the podcast, but I, um, but you know, I don't think that's necessarily going to work. I don't think anybody's going to see an ad and just be like, yo, like, uh, I guess I'll click on this and listen to 45 minutes. So I don't know about that. Um, I actually would say that that's not a good strategy. I think the other way is obviously getting on other people's podcasts and driving them back to yours. People that um, getting on those podcasts that kind of fit your same niche and then talking about yours has definitely helped. I've seen a little bit of growth there. Um, And then the, the third thing, I guess the third tip to growing your podcast for listeners is just be consistent and make sure that people know what they're getting every single time. Now, what's crazy about that is I've been so inconsistent recently in the content that I've been putting out just because like I'm just you know doing the same interview every single time for a year did get kind of old um so that would be my three to five tips I hoped uh, I hope that that helps you out um in addition to that too oh here's the other thing getting more listeners instead of just saying hey there's a new podcast up right uh like on your Instagram stories for example and just doing one or two posts about it promote it throughout the week right? Leave the link up on your bio for like a week, something like that, whatever it might be. Um, but promote it throughout the week, keep talking about it, refer back to it and get more people to those specific episodes. I think that that's very helpful. Um, I've personally fallen into a trap where like, I'll just say a new podcast up and just kind of leave it like that. But if I actually create, you know, content around this, do an Instagram post that kind of ties back to the podcast, do multiple stories, that type of thing, I definitely get a lot, uh, a lot more listens that way. Um, So Mason, I I hope that helps you out quite a bit. Um, We actually have a question coming in live right now from Cody Bennett that I want to answer. Let me catch my breath because it is warm in my office for one. Uh, And for two, I think I'm talking kind of fast, so I apologize. But Cody Bennett asks, when it comes to advertising on Facebook, should I target people with a specific interest or target people of a specific age or both? Both. And 
um, also different different uh, different demographics. So the question again, to be a little bit more clear, was when it comes to advertising on Facebook, should I target people with a specific interest or a specific age, or both? Um, I definitely think both, Cody. And then I think you should not only do it like. Look, so when we rent, let, let me do, let answer it like this. When we run Facebook ads, we try to do it in many different ways. One is by age, obviously, but that's kind of, uh, I wouldn't run a campaign by itself on just age or sex or anything like that. The interest is really where the, where the, uh, where the good stuff is, right? So you want to add in the interest there. But as you're kind of building out new audiences on Facebook, you want to run multiple campaigns with different targeting, right? So even if you are just... Um, you know, like marketing a t-shirt or something like that, or marketing like a health supplement or something like that, you may want to try, um, you know, doing one that's on interest, doing one on locations and age, and then try a completely different ad set with a, with slightly different variations in your targeting. And then as you study those over time, you'll see what actually performs best. And the same thing is going to apply to the creative as well. I think a lot of people get in the habit of doing one or two creatives for a specific campaign when really you have the option in one ad set to do five or six different ad creatives down to the copy and photo for each one. And so it's important to test out different things. It's definitely really important to uh, start studying the results of what you've been doing so that you can see what's actually working. But Facebook has so many, even with the targeting being pulled back after all this you know, drama with uh, Facebook. Um, Facebook has so many targeting capabilities where you can do it by income. You can do it by age. You can do it by interest. Uh, it used to be behaviors. I don't think you can really do that anymore. Um, but there's so many different ways to test it that you should really be testing everything and really understand who your buyer is and who you want. It's really easy for a t-shirt company or a supplement to be like, everybody buys my stuff and it's for everybody. I want everybody to take my supplement. I want everybody to wear my t-shirt. But the bottom of the line, the bottom line is that's not necessarily the case. You probably have a specific buyer persona. You probably, if you can imagine the person wearing your, your shirt or taking your supplement and what they're doing on a daily basis, target to that person. But you really got to think who is the individual person that I want to market this, uh, this, uh, this product to, and then create your targeting around that. Where do they live? How much money do they make? What are they interested in? Who do they hang out with? What magazines do they read? What Facebook pages do they read? That type of thing and create your targeting around that. So I hope that answers your question. Thank you for uh, sending that in live, Cody. I really appreciate it. Whew. I like that answer. I did like that answer quite a bit. I'm probably going to have to revert back to that. Okay. So let's get on to a couple more lifestyle things here. This was all about marketing, things like that. Um, I have a question here from none other than Nelson Schnabelin. How do you stay healthy while running a business? Now, as many of you may know and might, you know, check it out on Instagram or whatever, uh, definitely always working, uh, definitely, you know, running a business. It, there's no days off. It's 24-7, the whole thing, the whole thing. And it's really easy how you stay healthy um, when, you, when you're running a business. You just be friends with Brie Thomas. Check her out on Instagram at Brie underscore Thomas. You'll, you'll stay healthy. Okay, but for real, um, there is actually some truth to that, right? So one of the things that I've done to stay healthy is, uh, is you know, I, I'm, I'm kind of joking when I say be friends with Brie Thomas, but here's the thing, is 
by surrounding myself, this is what's worked for me, by surrounding myself with people that have um, similar goals and similar uh, habits in their life, like like working out, eating a certain way, that type of thing, by surrounding myself with those people more constantly, it, it automatically makes me want to do that, right? So it, whether it's osmosis or anything like that, like it automatically makes me want to do that. So um, so in, in the case of Brie, for example, she's constantly working out. She eats really well. She's always putting out content like that. My friend Nick as well, who had another question here, um, always working out, doing things for his mind, like doing things for uh, to eat a certain way so that he's getting he's in peak physical health, that sort of thing. Um, that's definitely uh, been such an impact on my life and surrounding myself with people who don't necessarily want to drink on a Tuesday night or drink on a Wednesday night, doing drugs, that sort of thing. Um, fun fact, I recently stopped uh, vaping, which was crazy. I've been struggling with nicotine for 15 years. I started when I was 15 years old. Smoking is what sucks. So I'm, I'm really focused on not doing that anymore. Um, and those are all things that really helped. But, but seriously, 100%, put yourself in situations and surround yourself with people that have healthy lifestyle habits or healthy lifestyles and it will automatically rub off on you and it, it helps quite a bit um more tactically what i do is uh is i definitely work out at least three to five times a week the very least is three times a week i go to spin i've been focusing on what i'm eating a lot more than i usually do i have a propensity to eat like shit to be quite honest with you um and uh like i love cheeseburgers i love Oh, man, I love cheeseburgers. I love pizza. I love hot dogs, wiener schnitzel, in and out. Just give me everything. But I've I've been conscious about how those foods make me feel on a regular basis. And I adjust accordingly, right? Because I know that I want to feel a certain way the next day. I know that I have a lot of work to do and I want to crush it. So that makes me want to eat things that are better for my body, do things that are better for my body, like working out and not do things so that I feel good the next day. For example, like I'm not going to go out and drink and party on a Tuesday night all the time, all the time. But like, but, you know, not doing those things, getting a lot of rest um, helps quite a bit. I know that, um, you know, many of you might follow me on Instagram and, it, you know, I'm up at 530 in the morning going to sleep late, something like that. But honestly, if you do the math, like I'm actually getting six to eight hours of sleep a, a day. So I may wake up at 5, 530, go to sleep at 11, 1130. But if you do the math, I'm still getting six to eight hours and six to eight hours works for me um, when it comes to sleep. Definitely listening to listen to your body and what works for you, right? Because um, just because you should be working like day, or in my opinion, for me, like I'm working day in and day out type of thing, but like I listen to my body. If I really do feel like I need sleep, um, dude, I sleep like on the weekends. I sleep. It's great. It's an amazing thing. I, I am a, I'm a big believer in sleep and I think that you should do it. And also there's been many studies that show that like, you know, getting an adequate amount of sleep will help you like, uh, control your weight, that type of thing helps you function better, that type of thing. Like, um, and also if I'm more alert, I don't necessarily want to eat shitty. I have, I've noticed that there's a correlation between my energy levels or, or like how I feel like mentally and what I want to eat. Like if I'm feeling down, like I didn't get a lot of sleep and I didn't work, work out, like I kind of want to eat a cheeseburger. But if I'm, if I have a lot of energy and I do want to like, you know, I do want to, um, uh, I kind of lost my train of thought, but if I'm, you know, if I'm feeling energy, I, I feel like I got enough sleep. Like for whatever reason, I do want to actually like eat better. It's such a weird thing. But anyway, so there's that. Um, what else do we have here? So that's, that's how I personally stay healthy while, um, 
while running a business. Um, the not vaping thing has helped out quite a bit as well. Not drinking as much, exercising regularly, uh, hanging around people that have healthy lifestyles, super, super important for me. And that's, what's really helped out quite a bit. So thank you for that question, Nelson. I really appreciate it. Um, speaking of eating, Hannah asks, um, Hannah asks, why do you not why do you only like eggs and eggs Benedict on an English muffin? Now, a little context for the listeners. If you've been following me for a while on any other social platform, you might know by now that I have been on the quest for to find the world's best eggs Benedict. Um, and I rate them. I haven't been putting them on my Instagram stories as much. It's been kind of difficult to get to brunch as much as I'd like to. Um, but you know, that's definitely something that, uh, is important to me, uh, is, is my brunch and my eggs Benedict. And the reason I don't like eggs Benedict on anything other than an English muffin is quite simple. Some things should not be messed with. For example, a pizza, like a barbecue pizza, a barbecue chicken pizza from CBK is not a pizza. If there's no marinara sauce or tomato sauce between the cheese and the bread, that is not a pizza. That is a flatbread. And fight me. Like just there's some things that you don't that you don't mess with. Right. Um, so when it comes to eggs Benedict, I fully believe that it should be on an English muffins. There are a few exceptions. Um, I've had some that are on a biscuit, like a country eggs Benedict uh, with gravy. Oh my gosh. That are, that have been on a biscuit. That's really good. But I really 100% never, ever think that it should be like on like a baguette or a piece of like, f- like just regular sliced toast or something like that. I've seen that before. I do not think it's good. I think that is a horrible way to treat eggs Benedict and it's disrespectful to breakfast as a whole. Um, so thank you for that question, Hannah. Um, <laughs> I have a question for my friend, Brittany, uh, Brittany Crystal. Actually, we meant, we talked about her a little bit earlier. Uh, what's it like being friends with me and when is crystallized going to happen? So a little context on this, Brittany, uh, Brittany Crystal and I became acquainted with each other on Twitter and Instagram. And it was probably probably about eight months to a year before we actually met up in person. We got coffee together, that type of thing. And, uh, and honestly, like if I'm just really answering this question, being friends with Brittany Crystal has been a great experience. I've learned a lot. We have a lot of fun together and it seems to get more fun over time too, which is great um, as we become better friends. So that has been awesome. And uh, when is Crystallize going to happen? Brittany, it's already happening. To any of the listeners, uh, it would be really cool if you use hashtag Crystallize, K-R-Y-S-T-E-L-I-Z-E. I'm sorry, I take that back. K-R-Y-S-T-L-I-Z-E. L-E-I-Z-E. Use that hashtag. I want to see if anybody actually uses that. But crystallize is already happening. There is a crystallizing effect to uh, being friends with Brittany. I guess maybe that worked. So that answers that question. Um, <laughs> this is this probably is my favorite question so far on, on, on this podcast. And uh, it is from Michelle on Organized and Lost on Twitter and Instagram. Um, what is your favorite favorite? Family Guy episode, and what is your worst or your least favorite Family Guy episode? Um, well, uh, to, to give a little context first, like the reason Family Guy comes up, it's like the only show that I watch regularly outside of Billions. Like Billions is definitely my favorite like drama TV show, but you know, it's like the only one that I watch regularly outside of that. It's uh, 
uh, outside of that, it's just family guy reruns and all the new ones. Right. So, um, that's why this came up. Uh, I am also known to watch a family guy episode every single day. That's one of the ways that I decompress is I watch a family guy episode, um, rerun something like that to, to kind of like let my brain rest, get a couple laughs in something like that. Something about family guy always makes me laugh. So, um, my favorite episode it's probably a tie between steroids where, you know, Stewie takes, uh, <laughs> Stewie takes steroids or Peter gives him steroids anyways. And he's like, <laughs> there's a, there's a, there's a fee for the hall, Brian, like that episode. Um, so that one is great. I think it's hilarious. Ah, oh, man, that whole season, I want to say it was all the same season, like season seven or something like that. As tan, the one with tan Stewie is phenomenal. That's one of my favorite ones as well. Um, and also the one where Stewie is training for the Olympics, the scene where he like does the double backflip, whatever he does, like runs into the, runs into the courier or the cabinet. Then he has this big piece of glass stuck in his head, gets me every single time. So I can't pinpoint it to one specific episode. I always think of family guy in the cutaways, but those would definitely be three of my favorite episodes. The episodes that I do not like of family guy. Uh, one of them for sure is the, um, the killer queen episode where basically I think Brian's on an acid trip. It definitely was an acid trip type of episode. Uh, that one was in my opinion, absolutely horrible. Um, and they recently did an episode where Stewie goes in to see a therapist. I didn't think that that one was very good either. Definitely not entertaining. If there's no cutaways, it's not truly a family guy episode, but anything with Stewie and Brian is definitely where it's at. Um, I think that basically covers it in terms of all the questions that we got. I really appreciate your time. Um, and I really appreciate the questions that you got that we, that we got in. In fact, if you would like another episode on this, I would love it. If you DM'd me on Instagram at Mick M I Q K or on Twitter at Mick again, M I Q K the Q comes before the K with more questions where we can do this again, because this was a lot of fun for me and I hope that it was informative for you. Um, and that you enjoyed the converse, not really the conversation, loved the content as much as I loved getting the questions and answering them for you guys. Um, if you did love the episode, I would appreciate a five-star review. If you didn't like the episode that much, feel free to stick it to me with a five-star review. Um, but be sure to subscribe because we're going to have a lot of great episodes. <laughs> Look at me thinking this episode was great. Uh, we're going to have a lot of great episodes with guests, with more Q and a sessions and just really having a great time with the podcast moving forward. Um, again, my name is Mikhail and I will catch you next time. Yeah.